Hello, Sobertown, and welcome to the Sobertown podcast, your two-for-one bargain. Hi, I am Polly. And hi, I'm Karina. And we are on the Sober Train, the Sober Train, which takes you into the beautiful, wonderful world of sobriety with help from us, we hope. And last week on our podcast, we talked about anxiety. And we are going to do uh, a bit more on that because there is so much more to cover. And first, I will run through some of the general symptoms, uh, common signs and symptoms of anxiety, feeling nervous or restless, having a sense of impending doom, danger, panic, having an increased heart rate, breathing rapidly, which is hyperventilation, sweating, trembling, feeling weak or tired, having trouble concentrating or thinking about anything other than what is currently going on, having trouble sleeping, experiencing gastrointestinal problems, that's upset tummies, butterflies in the tummy, whatever, having difficulty controlling your worry and having the urge to avoid things that trigger anxiety. And a lot of us have done that last one by falling into a bottle of alcohol. That's how we avoided a lot of our problems. There are several types of anxiety disorder. And I'll just list them quickly before Karina goes into some of the anxiety loops. We've got agoraphobia. Um, It's where you fear and avoid places or situations that might cause you to panic. And a lot of people feel panic in a place that is overcrowded. And even though people think agoraphobia, it means you can't go outside the front door, it doesn't. It can mean several things, i.e. some people get panicky and uncomfortable when they're in a room full of people. It's a form of agoraphobia. Um, Anxiety disorder due to a medical condition. Um, it, It includes symptoms of intense anxiety and panic. that are directly caused by your physical health. Um, I don't know if you want to hit on that one, uh, the medical side of it. Could that be a fear of falling, give you anxiety, um, a fear of treatment, uh, whatever? I think we talked last time a bit about the chemicals and about how we produce um, adrenaline. And um, one of the conditions that can cause anxiety is diabetes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it could be it could work in two ways it could be the fear of actually going into a diabetic coma but it could also be that when our blood sugars drop we release adrenaline so there can be very chemical composition to it as well also things like um, fibromyalgia um, uh, anxiety is very closely linked to that because the, or any pain condition because the center of the brain that gives us unclear pain messages is the same center that triggers off panic and anxiety and adrenaline so it can be a bit of both and um, we'll talk about sort of the the loops in a bit so it can be mm-hmm. the fear bit and the thinking yeah. and it can also be a chemical reaction as well and also we said last week that um the other conditions that can cause things like that is that the adrenaline comes from the adrenal glands that sit on top of the kidneys. So any kidney condition as well, or any sort of anything that affects hormone imbalances or 
that stimulates the adrenal glands, um, some cancers, um, can also cause problems with anxiety from a chemical form. So medically induced anxiety disorder. <clears throat> There's a generalized anxiety disorder, which um, persistent and excessive anxiety and worry about activities and events, um, even ordinary routine issues, the fear of going to the doctors for the result of a test, um, some people fear flying and it can cause anxiety attacks. Anything ordinary every day can cause an anxiety, generalized anxiety. Panic disorder, which involves repeated episodes of sudden feelings of intense anxiety, fear or terror. Um, they reach a peak within minutes and they have feelings of impending doom, shortness of breath, all the symptoms that I listed. Um, and they may lead... Uh, to worrying about them and happening again, which really causes another panic attack. It's the loop that you mm -hmm. were talking about. So that's panic disorder. Um, separation anxiety disorder, a childhood disorder where you've been separated from your parents or families have broken up, whatever, and you've been separated from siblings. <clears throat> it can mean anything. The loss of a parent, um, I don't know about you, but when my first day of my kids at school, I almost <laughs> I cried because you know, it's uh, my child has gone to school, you know, and it's like separation because you're so used to being them. Substance induced anxiety disorder, uh, withdrawal from, i.e., alcohol, drugs, medications. General medic painkillers that you get regular on scripts from your doctor, you know, coming off those kind of things can cause anxiety, substance induced anxiety disorder. And there are very unspecified types of anxiety disorder. But I think we've all at some point felt some sort, felt anxious and anxiety. A lot of us who've been in the drinking community, when we've gone for that very first blood test, after we've stopped drinking, there's quite a bit of anxiety there in wondering what kind of damage we've done to ourselves. So that induces some anxiety. I know it did with me <clears throat> until I got my results. I was pretty anxious, pretty nervous. And um, the day the results came through, I had butterflies until they told me everything was okay. So, um, but we were gonna talk but it's always wise if you're unsure to go and see a medical professional, seek medical advice. If the anxiety becomes really worrying, is that your recommendation? Yeah, because there's lots of things that, that we can do for anxiety. Um, the first line treatment for anxiety isn't actually medication. It's something called cognitive behavioral mm. therapy, which we have mm -hmm. spoken about yes. before. Um, but, you know, it's always good to get, um, it checked out as well because other things that I, that I hadn't thought of that can cause anxiety as well are things like um, problems with your thyroid gland so you know and you should always get it checked out because the symptoms of anxiety are quite scary um, and they can mimic other things um, as, as well but there, there is medication that can help with anxiety there's natural remedies as well um, and you know 
the other thing from what you've just said, if anyone is thinking of stopping any medication, even if it's pain medication, always talk to your GP or your medical practitioner first, because some medications you do have to come off of gradually. Um, so always let your doctor or your medical professional know what you're doing. Um, yeah, I remember when uh, my husband had to come off one of his pain medications, it had to be very suddenly. And um, it was like living with Jekyll and Hyde for several mm. weeks until yeah. his body settled into it. It was it was awful to see, you know, this mm. normally quiet, easygoing guy was suddenly a totally different person. Um, and it was totally down to suddenly having this medication stopped. Mm. Yeah. For health reasons, obviously. Mm. <clears throat> So, the way, so. yeah, the way medication works is actually it attaches itself to, to other parts, chemicals and other neurons and that in our body. So it changes the whole chemistry of, of our body. So, you know, whenever we start, stop medication, that's why we have side effects because it will affect other, other parts of the body. So it's always important to do anything like that with your GP and including stopping um, alcohol as well. You know, a lot of us aren't brave enough to go and talk to our medical practitioners, but you had a great experience. Yes. You did. Um, you know, I told my GP that I was 10 months sober the other week <laughs> and they didn't have a clue that I'd been drinking heavily for, for 22 plus years. But, you know, we do encourage you to go and see your medical practitioner mm -hmm. um, with any stopping or starting the substances. Anyway, moving on from that, we're going to talk a little bit about anxiety loops. Okay. Um, and when we talk about anxiety loops, we talk about the thoughts, we talk about our feelings and we talk about our behaviours. So one of the things that you talked about, mentioned earlier, was agoraphobia. So um, sometimes something that's happened to us could trig trigger agoraphobia. We might have suffered an event while we were out. Um, it could be a change in our situation or in our thoughts. Um, for example, I, I found it really difficult a few months ago um, to go out. And the, one of the reasons I was finding it difficult to go out was because I was frightened of bumping into somebody that I knew. And the reason I was afraid of bumping into somebody that I knew was they wouldn't know me as the mental health nurse that I used to be. That They would see me with my walking frame, that I might have to talk to them and forget my words. And that would make me more anxious. And I, generally, I didn't want to make a tit of myself. You know, my yeah. ego was going away at me, you know, about how, how I'd changed. Um, so what happened then was, you know, the thought of going out would make me very, very anxious and I'd feel quite sick and I'd get quite shaky um, and quite tremulous. And I didn't like feeling like that. And I get palpitations. My heart would beat really hard. And I just didn't like feeling like that. So my behavior was to not go out. And then when you don't go out, it settles down. Your physical feelings settle down your thoughts return to normal and all your thinking becomes, well, it's safer for me just to stay in because then I don't have them horrible feelings. Um, and so then we get caught in that loop. Another sort of idea of a loop is that we might be at, we might be doing something and suddenly anxiety can come on from nowhere. We're not conscious. It's usually a thought or something triggers a bit. We're not always conscious what it is. And it will be that we'll feel something horrible. Like we might feel... And, and this is a really important thing is for you to know what your warning sign is. 
I know that my warning sign is one of two things that I'm about to get very anxious or have a, a massive panic attack. And that is either a thump in my chest that goes bang, my heart west feels like it stops, or I get like a funny pins and needles go across the back of my head. And that is my warning sign that something is about to happen, that I need to take control of my anxiety rather than it controlling me. Because what will happen is I'll have that thump as you've just described, the symptoms are really horrible. Um, and if you don't breathe properly and you hyperventilate, it even gets worse. You start to get tingling in your hands and fingers. Everything goes numb. And it's really, really scary. And your thinking then changes to, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to die. I'm going to collapse because these symptoms are so horrible. Um, so again, it can make you either run back home, not go out, and it makes you hold your breath even more. We panic even more and the symptoms go round and round and get worse and worse. So it's about taking control of those symptoms once they start. But also it's recognising what your signs and your triggers are. If you're somebody that suffers with anxiety, know what triggers you. Another example may be um, that, you know, same for instance for me, when um, I was going through a very difficult time financially, I just wouldn't even look at my bank account. I wouldn't look to see what was in the bank because it frightened me. I was scared to see how much money I didn't have. And then that would make me anxious because actually I didn't know what was in the bank account or I wouldn't open letters, I wouldn't open bank statements, I wouldn't do anything. I just, they'd sit there looking at me on the side. And then I didn't know. So because I didn't know, that would make my anxiety even worse. And you just go round and round in a loop. Whereas if you just open the damn letter, or just look online and look at your damn statement, you know what you've got, and you know then how to, how to deal with it. Would you say that some of that is... Um... His, I suddenly the ostrich mentality, mm. yeah, and fear. So I just it was just something that I suddenly thought of um, the ostrich mentality and fear, and it brings yeah. on you know it's just not facing something because you know it's painful to face. Mm. Is that, that yeah. Is I bury my head in the sand and it, it's not really happening. It will go away. I mean, but what we tended to do was just drink alcohol and numb it all, didn't we? You know, um, getting ourselves into even more debt. Um, so there's, there's three different ways that you can do. There's three things you can do because we're talking about the thoughts. We're talking about the feelings. We're talking about the behaviours. So in that time, what I did was just make, you can make yourself open the post, you know, or you can look at your, your thoughts and try and change your thoughts with cognitive behavioral therapy and with looking at the living life to the full um, online course, which is free that I've spoken about before. Um, but very often for, for lots of us, um, the, the first thing we know about anxiety is when we have those horrible physical feelings. And it's important to say that nothing bad is going to happen. Even if you have a massive panic attack, the very, very worst thing that can happen, and in 37 years of nursing, I never actually saw any of my patients do this, but it can happen, is that you could faint. That is the absolute worst thing that would happen. And the reason you will faint is because you're holding your breath. And what happens then when you faint is your, your breathing would return to normal and then you'll wake up. And you'll be okay because that anxiety and that would have gone gone away. 
So really important, firstly, to recognise your signs. So for me, it would be a thump in the chest or pins and needles over my head. So next time you feel anxious or panicky, just notice, tune in, what is your first physical sensation that you get? As soon as I get that first straight, that, that sensation, what I do is I breathe. I breathe and I tell myself nothing bad is going to happen. It doesn't feel very nice, but it is just anxiety. It's going to be okay. And the importance about breathing is to get your carbon monoxide and oxygen levels back to where they, they should be. Um, so many of us will hold our breath and then we'll start <sighs> hyperventilating. And actually we're breathing in too much oxygen at that point yeah so a quick tip when you're out people in in the olden days or, or still do used to use a paper bag to blow in and out of um but you don't very often get paper bags nowadays so a simple technique for me is to literally cup your hands and hold them over your nose and over your mouth and breathe breathe in slowly hold it slightly and then breathe out and try and make the outward breath a little bit longer than the inward, inward breath if you can. But it doesn't really matter. The most important thing is breathing down your mouth. What you do is you get the chemical balance correct in your blood again. And it gives you something to focus on. And the reason I like that is because you can do it really discreetly. If you're sitting at a cafe and it helps, you can just put your hands on your table or your elbows on the table and put your hands over your nose and your mouth and just, you know, just breathe. And you can do it quite discreetly. Um, at home, you can use paper bags. And there was a really funny movie I watched once. I can't remember what it was called, but she actually goes to go up to the bathroom and get a marigold glove. And she used to breathe in and out of marigold glove that would come up with the fingers like a rooster head each time it happens. So that thought kind of makes me chuckle as well when I'm feeling anxious. I have thoughts back to that. I must keep a fresh pair of marigolds ready. Yeah. <laughs> I know I'm chuckling uh, at this. I know it's serious, but I can just see. Yeah, yeah fine. Yeah. <laughs> but that vision, it makes me chuckle now when I think about it, you know, and this sort of most rooster head, yellow rooster head popping out. It, it, it is quite, yeah, it's quite a funny vision to have. And that's the distractions, so any sort of distractions are good to have. So recognize your signs, breathe through it and tell yourself nothing bad is going to happen because it's not. Nothing bad is going to be happening. Um, there are other things that I use. I use the stop technique quite a lot. So if I, you know, especially if we're standing in a queue somewhere, we can start to get a bit tetchy. We can get start to get a bit anxious, especially if it's busy. So I use the stop and the stop is literally for me to stop. Stop all my thinking, stop everything, take a breath, look around and observe. So stop, so S is stop, T, take a breath, O, observe. Just look at what's happening with inside of me, within my body, within my thoughts and around me. And then plan and proceed and just like continue where I was because that's a form of, of distraction as well. So it stops us thinking about, Oh my goodness, it's really busy in here. Oh my goodness, is everyone looking at me? Oh my goodness, am I going to be in here for long? Oh my goodness, I don't feel very well. Oh my goodness, I think all those thoughts, just say yourself, stop, you know? And what can be quite good as well is to use a physical slap, like if you really want to get out of it, it's like, like just slap the legs and say, stop. 
And I've used that a lot with PTSD before. I was involved in a car crash 20 years ago. And after that, for at least a year, I had really bad flashbacks if I was in a car of, you know, things coming and hitting me head on again. And, you know, it really... Um, froze me I couldn't get out it paralyzed me so I when I first started driving again I would literally just do stop and I'd hit myself on the leg stop because that physical jolt can jolt you out of your, your thoughts as well and then just use that that process other little things that you can use um I, I know you use the square square breathing don't you yes Some I do yeah four in for four hold for four out for four and hold for four. They use it a lot with children as well. This is one they developed for children uh, because children can understand a square and can follow a square easily <clears throat> because children get anxious. I mean, first day of school, new school, you know, and teaching children to just take some deep breaths, etc., and get yourself through it. I mean, if we start this early enough, with younger people, hopefully by the time they get to our age, they will have the tried and true method mm. of coping. Yeah. You know, but, so, so you're in for four, hold for four. Or out, out for four and hold for four. Four, yeah. So I use some, yeah. So I use something similar visually as well. So I use that but with the actual visuals. So what you can do, I mean, doctor's surgeries and hospital waiting rooms seem to be the worst, don't they? And you're sitting there and there's everyone waiting to see people. So find a rectangle or a square, a door, a window, because there's always doors or windows or something. Mm -hmm. And what you do is just start whatever corner of that, that point that you want to. And with your eyes, you sit there and you follow along that frame with your eyes. So as you're breathing in, you follow on as you come along down you're holding breathe out and hold but with your eyes at the same time you're going round that square so yeah. you're doing it in the square so that's just way because then you're visualizing and you're breathing so you're distracting yourself um another little tip that we used to say to people in waiting rooms and again i use this is four things i can see you know it could be a chair a person push chair a desk four things I can hear you know what can you hear four things I can smell and then three things I can see three things I can hear three things I can smell or whatever you know you can use um whatever um yeah so and three things and that you can feel as well that's good because you can feel things as well you can feel the energy you can feel the air you can feel the chair you're sitting on um so all the cushions <laughs> yeah, fluffy, oh yeah my fluffy stroky cushion yeah so um so some there's some little tricks are there any little tricks that you've got that you use or that you've read I about actually I'm very very lucky I think I'm very very lucky I am able to tune out mm. I can I can sit somewhere and I cannot hear anything I can totally tune out and um, I've practiced deep breathing so often. I'll sit in a doctor's surgery and I'll just sit and close my eyes mm. and just breathe gently and talk myself through some breathing. And it's like a mini meditation. I mean, breathing is meditation um, because what you're doing is you're settling your mind, you're settling your body, you're bringing yourself down from that high place where you were starting to get anxious. 
And what you're doing is you're lowering everything down. It's, it's almost like emptying a glass, if you think about it. Because when we're anxious, everything's full on. But then you start slowing it down. And like you, I'm a very visual person. And I will do something like that. I'll visualize a glass full of water. And I'll start visualizing myself emptying this glass slowly, 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 and lower myself. But as I say, I'm lucky I can tune out. And I've had times when someone's called me four or five times, and I just really haven't heard them because I've mm -hmm. gone so far into myself sort of thing. So I think that's why I very rarely suffer with I can't remember if I've ever suffered with a panic attack. I know I've been anxious at times when I've gone on a long flight or something like that. And some of those anxieties were, oh, God, I'm going to be on a 15-hour flight. This In the days, you know, I can't have a drink. You know, what am I going to do? How am I going to sleep? You know, um, there were the days when, okay, I've got a nine-hour flight and I can't have a cigarette. What am I going to do? <laughs> <You know? laughs> All those things. But. As for anxiety, um, I don't really think, I can't remember. Um, anxious, yeah, but not an anxiety attack. And as I say, I'm lucky I can actually tune out. And breathing is my go-to. It always mm. is my go-to, is to just take it slowly and just close your eyes. You can even do it when you stood in the supermarket, if you're in the back of a queue in the supermarket, if there's three or four people in front of you. You can just stand there and lean on your cart and just slowly breathe in and out. And like you say, you could close your eyes and think, what can I hear? And if you close your eyes, it helps a lot because you can't see all the panic around you. You can't see all the people around you. So I've, I've done that. I've leaned on a, a shopping cart and just chilled out. So Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and, and things like shopping carts are great because, you know, I always take a shopping cart in with me because if I take a basket, I end up with more and I can't carry it all. But it's a great, it's a great crutch as well. You can grip onto that shopping, shopping trot and you use it as, as a crutch for you to, to get around. And, and you know, with, when we talk about mindfulness, we talk about, um, you know, recognizing the thoughts that are coming into our head, like, you know, walking around the shop and your mind says, oh, my goodness, look at all these people in here. Just recognize that. Yep, thanks for showing up. But actually, what I'm looking for right now are the sausages. And then just refocus to back to what it is that, that you're doing. And I know when we're in anxiety and panic attacks, it's a lot easier said. Than, than done so we're just giving some tips on 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 ways to try and because shops big shops are the worst and actually do you know what if to go into a big shop really really makes you feel anxious and awful especially now with all the covid around and you can get all that you need in little corner grocery shops or whatever go to the little shops you don't have to go to a big superstore society has made us think that we need to but we don't so you, it's about doing what's right for you do not set yourself up to fail you know manage your anxiety know your triggers and do what's manageable and also here's one um if you are an anxious person time your visit to the store there are times when it's quiet where there are less people around and you know you're not gonna feel overwhelmed I mean, don't go on a Friday afternoon or a Saturday 
because you know full well there's going to be crying children there's going to be harassed mothers you know they're going to be trying to wrangle kids who are running around there's a lot of shopping carts bumping into shopping carts and people so if you are an anxious person time the visit make sure it's at a time when the store is not so busy you know in the morning when the kids when you know the moms are taking all the kids to school or in the afternoon when you know all the moms are picking the kids up people are still at work you know you can you can time it to accommodate yourself mm. and i don't know about you i like going when the store's quieter <laughs> Yeah, definitely, definitely. And um, there is a store, and I'm not going to name it because I'm not 100% sure I've got the right store, but there is a store in the UK that has an hour or two hour time slot, on, and I think it's a Saturday between 9 and 10. I, I can't remember, but you look in, just Google your local stores, but there is a store in the UK that has a quiet hour or two, especially for people with autistic spectrum disorder. Yeah. So it doesn't have any music, doesn't have all the hassle and bustle. So it is a quiet time. So check out your stores as well, because there might be um, quiet times that, that you can can go to um, to, yeah. to do. That. And um, and it's interesting, isn't it? It's about finding the tools that are right for us, because we've, we've spoken about this before, whereas you tune everything out. Mm -hmm. I use I use noise to tune in to manage yeah. my anxiety like I'm I'm really weird person I love having MRI scans not to the fact that I want to see you know addicted to them or anything but I really like the noise having, I like the noise because I just tune into it so I tune in to the noise I wish that I could say that that works with Andy's snoring but that doesn't I haven't quite mastered that yet <laughs> I think that's one for everybody isn't it there's something that, um I've got to admit though I didn't hear anything last night I I've got to say, folks, I feel wide awake this morning. I had me a really good night's sleep, my first one in uh, about a week. Um, but another thing you were saying about um, anxiety and being in agoraphobia, etc. <clears throat> Please excuse me, I'm croaky, as usual. Um, PTSD. Mm. PTSD, people, a lot of people up until fairly recently used to always associate PTSD with servicemen and women. But PTSD is any kind of trauma you've suffered. Mm -hmm. Even as a child, you can have PTSD. You just said you had PTSD from a car accident. Mm -hmm. And uh, being in and around a lot of people can cause so much anxiety for people with PTSD. Yeah. Because they're people that want to be alone, not necessarily on their own, but they need alone time to bring their mind and their thoughts back to themselves. Um, I'm not an expert. I did, I did do quite a bit of, I've done quite a bit of reading. I've never done so much reading as I have done since I became sober. <clears throat> but I learned a lot more about PTSD in that it can be any kind of trauma at all. Divorce can cause PTSD, and I never realized that. And would you say you suffered with that after your divorce? Um, I don't think after mm. my, my divorce, no. Um, 
definitely after the car crash um definitely from bullying at school um bullying and abuse are the biggest um forms that triggers for ptsd and the reason a lot of people want to be on their own is because not necessarily they want to be on their own but it's because of the triggers smells sounds you know we know with war veterans you know especially mm-hmm. a loud bang can really just set off a whole panic and anxiety attack because it's it's triggering um you know so, so yeah smells and sounds and even visions you know anything can trigger and, and as we spoke in in the first part of this podcast last week um you know when our anxiety levels hit and the adrenaline kicks off it <clears throat> that the librarian in our brain gets very confused and it takes us right back to that to that situation we're right back there again in that war zone or that car crash or that abuse situation and the 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 number one treatment for ptsd now which is post-traumatic stress disorder um is something called emdr which is the um, rapid eye movement technique um so that is the number one treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder or trauma or abuse so if you're going to look at therapy uh, but again um as we've said before you have to get the therapy that's right for you but that is the one that's recommended we will just take a quick pause and grab a drink and then we will come back because this is just pure coincidence but this morning i got an email talking about It's called Every Memory Deserves Respect, and it's about EMDR. (laughs) So we will come back in a moment, folks. Stay where you are. We will return. We're off for a quick drink. Well, hi, folks. Karina and I are back. And just before our break, Karina raised the subject of um, EMDR, which coincidentally, believe it or not, I had a an email this morning from um, Workman Publishing. And the subject is, Every Memory Deserves Respect uh, by uh, Deborah Korn, who is a psychotherapist. And it talks about EMDR and it's discussed with a patient, Michael Baldwin. And it states that EMDR is actually eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. It's a unique type of psychotherapy proven to help people recover from trauma and improve the quality of their life. And someone you care about could probably, either yourself or someone you care about, can suffer any kind of trauma. It can be emotional, physical, sexual abuse, or the more common and less significant traumas are divorce, job loss, painful childhood experiences, any situation where you felt worthless, afraid, or powerless. Well, we were powerless. Untreated trauma can lead to long-lasting effects such as depression, anxiety, PTSD, and difficulties maintaining intimate relationships. I just read to you a piece actually in um, someone pretty famous has highlighted EMDR and that's Prince Harry so anyone can go and look and you you relate that one to the loss of his mom causing his trauma um, and this one's uh, this book is uh, about um, 
personal stories and powerful photographic images. People learn how trauma is stored in the brain and the body and continuing to, continues to cause pain and suffering and how EMDR frees us uh, from our thinking and emotional reacts, reactions. And it explains why talk therapy has only a limited impact. But talk therapy is the one we talked about earlier on, wasn't it, the talk therapy? Mm. Yeah. So this is... Um, there's gentle and targeted EMDR therapy, and it offers guidance on um, how this works. I mean, I'm not exactly au fait with it. It's, it's something new, but have you heard of it? Yeah, so EMDR, the way it works, so, some therapists will use a light, mm. um, some won't. And um, the thing to know about EMDR is that you will have to go through and think about and relive your trauma um so you have to be ready for it some people cannot go there and um you know if, if you're having any sorts of therapy don't ever go anywhere in your therapy that you do not want to go because it can be re-traumatizing to you um so you have to be open you have to be ready with the mdr because you will have to um relive your, your trauma but in a very guided and gentle way that's why the therapist is there and what they do is they will get you to follow their finger or an object so you actually are moving your eyes at the same time as you know you're, you're following this object with your eyes so there'll be eye movement happening at the same time as you're talking about and thinking about your trauma um i don't know why i'm sitting here with my finger in front of my head going backwards and forwards polly because only you can see it nobody <laughs> else can <laughs> But is it is that some kind of distraction from? Yes, it's a distraction. It, well, it helps with the eye movement. Reduces. It helps, helps you, yeah, to reduce that. But it's a distraction. But also, it's meant to with the eye movement help you to reprocess that trauma. So you you'll be reprocessing the actual event and you grade it. So you might start off with scoring it as really scoring it as quite high of how it makes you feel, the anxiety that it evokes in you, and then gradually each session you can lower that down now some people say that they only have two or three sessions and they feel a whole lot better other people may may need more obviously um but everyone's individual but yes so it's a way of stretching but of reprocessing there's some link between eye movement and memory and processing of thoughts so it gets you to reprocess it um so it is i mean it has been around for quite a long time it's Unfortunately, in the UK, um, cognitive behavioural therapy took over everything for a while there for about 10, 20 years because it was meant to see, be seen as a quick fix. And as you know, um, we have the National Health Service over here, so it's always like they look at cost effectiveness, although it's not always that cost effective because they reckon CBT can only last five to 10 years. But again, different strokes for different folks, really. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's not a, there are EMD therapists over here, um, but you're probably more likely to access it in in the states where you can get more okay. private therapy. This um, I've just pulled this up actually. Um, it's an and here this is obviously uh, an article from the states. It says it's an eight phase treatment. Eye movement, eye movements, or as you say, other bilateral stimulation are used during one part of the session and it all depends on which memory the clinician decides to target first. Mm -hmm. So um, 
and they use the eyes to track the therapist's hands as it moves back and forth across the client's field of vision. As this happens, for reasons believed by researchers, it's connected to connected with biological mechanisms involved in rapid eye movement, REM sleep. When you think about it, though, because where where do we find our memories? They first come in through our eyes. Mm -hmm. Because That's one of the is, yeah, yeah, all my memories came first through what I saw. I mean, I know the smell. Um, but I would say 90% of my memories are through my eyes. Mm. You know, it's what I've seen. And as a result of what I've seen, I've done stuff. So there's where a lot of my memories are. Um, uh, this says that um, it, it, it hopefully changes painful events. Uh, on an emotional level. So it changes, like you say. Um, and this says a, a rape victim sometimes shifts from feelings of horror and self-disgust to the firm belief that they have survived and they are strong. It, it, yeah. it flips this. Here we go again. They flip the switch. Mm -hmm. And most things in life are flipping the switch, isn't it? Going from all the way down there to all the way up there. Yeah. Um, it's a journey and a process isn't it and um, yeah. just just wanted to point out that when when you said that the therapist would decide which which thing to, to target that will be out of what you have disclosed and what you're ready to talk about you're not going to be yes. made to talk about something that or it should be you know you need to pick the right therapist but what it should be is that you you would sort of talk about your your story what's happened and they will see which one needs to be taught with they they are very specialized and they will sense which is your key pin that they need to to look at so they're not going to say right this is what we're going to talk about today it will be from what you've told them and what they yeah. perceive to be because this says that phase one is a history gathering session mm -hmm. they yeah. will gather all the history yeah and then they will examine that history mm -hmm. and then they will move on to phase two yeah so so it's a good you know that that's just another resource as we said before there are lots of other therapies out there and lots of other things we can can use but it comes down again doesn't it to recognizing recognizing your triggers recognizing what's causing your anxiety and you know a lot of things that cause anxiety is unresolved issues it's unresolved issues from the past that we have to work on and of course, stress. And I just wanted to pick up when I loved your vision with you saying about imagining a glass of water going down. <laughs> and, uh, we used to use, I used to talk about the bucket. And if you imagine a bucket of water, and um, if you have a drip, 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 like a, a dripping tap going into your bucket of water. So every little stress is like a drip. Every now and again, you might get tap turned on and a deluge of water comes in your bucket and if you don't do anything to empty that bucket out eventually it will just overflow in rage anxiety depression um or whatever so what what's really important to do is to learn ways to drill little holes in your buckets little ways of letting out some of that water that's coming in in other words the stress and to gradually ease it off which is what we're kind of talking about today there was actually i suppose some people would say this is a little kooky. There was actually a 
wasn't exactly a water therapy. It was a releasing, which we all talk about having to release things into the ether or whatever. You, there are ways of releasing emotion, releasing feelings. And this was actually come back to water was um, to take a glass of water. And as you're filling the glass, you're telling the glass everything you want to let go of. And you take your glass of water and you're supposed to do this at the full moon. And I did do it, actually. And it felt good, believe it or not. And I'm not kooky, folks. I'm a little quirky. Oh, I am. I love it. <laughs> I'm a little quirky. And you take your glass, you, as you're filling your glass slowly with the water, you're telling the glass, every, you're telling the water everything you want to let go of. Then you go into the, uh, and you stand in the grass, hopefully the grass, or you could stand at the beach. I would think there's plenty of water. And you gently pour the water out, repeating everything you want to get rid of. And you pour the, your troubles into Mother Earth. Yeah. Then you refill your glass and you tell it every positive thing you want to feel and do. Slowly again. And then as you do that and you finish, you drink the water. So you release negativity into Mother Earth and let her take it away. And then you take the next glass of water and you drink it and you drink in positivity. Um, and I did do it. You know, I, I'll try anything, me. I'll do kooky stuff. Um, and it felt good, It whether... You know, whether people think I'm nuts, um, I've actually been out in the lawn on the wet grass doing my yoga first thing in the morning. I hope the neighbors don't look. Um, and you look for whatever ways will help you release whatever is disturbing you. And to me, that for some reason, that actually was quite good. Just taking the glass of water and pouring it into the ground and letting the earth take it all away. Because uh, I'm a great believer in Mother Nature. Yeah. And, and the earth does ground us. It does yes. ground. You know, when we talk about being grounded, that's what we're talking about, is being back to earth. The moon controls us. It controls so much as well on, on this earth. And I am kooky and I love all those sort of things and they're great to me. But... Um, <laughs> Another one you can do is write a letter to someone, you know, um, not to send. You can write a letter and um, you can write a letter of anger, of regret, of woe, or whatever. And you can burn that letter and you can let it go. Or you can bury that letter in the garden, you know, or you can burn it and then bury the ashes. So it's sort of gone. It's getting it out of you. It's another way of slowly letting stuff out because we hold on to so much stuff. And all it does is fester around. What's that you're holding up? The I, um, Tiny Buddha is a website I love. I, you know, I, I love that website. There's usually good stuff to read that you can pick up bits of information, etc. on. And one of the things I picked up was um, the lady who runs the website is Laurie Duchesne. I think that's Des Shane. I think I'm not truly up on how she pronounces it. But Tiny Buddha does a worry journal. And it's a creative way to let go of anxiety and find peace. And each day, there is a, well, you can do it daily, you can do it weekly, whenever. Mm -hmm. Yesterday, it was today I choose to let go of the things I can't control, including. So you can list the things 
that you really have got no control over. The biggest one is the weather. I live in Texas. <laughs> I can't control yeah. the weather. The humidity is killing me. My hair's all fuzzy. Uh-huh. I got humid hair. Today, it says, I know it's pointless to worry about what people think of me because, you know, and you can go through and you can do this on a daily way. And you could do it whenever you want to. It helps me to stay calm at work when I you know, it's just, and you put your thoughts and feelings and, and things in here. Um, and it's a, it's a creative way to um, meditate. And there's also pages that you could, as we, both, we all know. Coloring. Color, that looks amazing. I love that. Coloring yeah. can be a great way to um, relieve anxiety. There's all sorts, get some, and it gives you, get some exercise. And it, this is quite a, and it's not a big book. It's only quite small. It's quite handy to carry around. And you could probably keep it in, judging by the purses and handbags as women carry, you could probably keep it in there. And like you say, when you, you're in, if you were in um, a situation, you were a little anxious, you could pull that out and just start writing in it. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to get me one of them. That's brilliant. So, you know, there's, it's another tool yeah. in, the, in the toolbox. And life is all about gathering the tools. It's not just our sobriety where we've gathered tools, although our sobriety tools are vital to us. Um, anxiety is a huge part of our journey in sobriety because we build anxiety when we're drinking in that, we get anxious because we're drinking a lot. So what do we do? We drink some more and become more anxious and we build on it until we actually stop drinking and slowly our anxiety dissipates and the anxiety we cope with is the normal everyday stuff most of the time because, um, as we know, alcohol exacerbates everything. And I mean everything. If you can't yeah, sleep and you drink, what are you going to do? You're, you're not going to sleep. It's not going to help you sleep. If you suffer with anxiety, it's not going to cure your anxiety. If anything, it'll make it worse because all you're doing is you're, you're putting a Band-Aid on something. You're not actually dealing with it. And it's like you said way back at the beginning and when we were talking, it's the ostrich mentality. Mm-hmm. And our alcohol gave us the ostrich mentality. We didn't have to face things. We, we, we drank to, to cope with ours. I don't know how you feel about that. Oh, yeah. And, and now our head's out of the sand. And then it's like, ah, it all comes flooding back, doesn't it, initially? And, you know, one of the things I've noticed is that some people, especially early in sobriety, um, find some of the positiveness of, of stuff quite quite hard to relate to so it's just to remind everybody as well that yeah we all got anxious when we first stopped drinking um you know we still get anxious at times the anxiety can be around how can I never have a drink again and we've got a whole other podcast all about that oh my gosh yeah the fear of never drinking again I've got the fear of ever drinking again yeah yeah we did that one so you can go back and look at those other things but um you know, it, it's it's finding the anxiety does come. We're having to deal with stuff. And this is why we're doing these podcasts to try and help you find different ways. And like with that book that you just said, um, yeah. 
most everybody nowadays unfortunately has phones has mobile phones um so most people you know in waiting rooms or whatever are on their phone um so just to talk about the breathing that you were talking about earlier things like the calm app that i know you use and headspace headspace as well and there's other apps that just literally even my watch has a breathe app on it i hate it because it follows me around everywhere in fact it's just buzzed and told me it's time to stand up I have a stand-up watch when I wish to stand up. Now go yes. away. <laughs> <laughs> our lives are dictated to us by our watches. Mine does the same thing. You know, it's I time to move. It. Oh, gosh. I hate it. And if people ask me if you hate it, why have you got it? I've just literally got it to give my son reassurance because of his anxiety about me being at home on my own and having falls and not getting help. That's the only reason I have this silly watch on my wrist. But anyway, even on that, you can just press the button and it will breathe. So, you know, if you're sitting sort of in a waiting room or whatever, you can just sit because everyone's sitting on their phones nowadays just press the breathe nobody knows what you're doing and you can just breathe in and out with the instructions on on your phone and so yes, you know, and the, it doesn't make a noise it just makes these little no. tickets you can hear this vibration yeah. from you you can feel the vibration as it's telling you to breathe in and the mm. vibration of breathing out it's almost like um inflating and deflating a balloon it, if yeah. you can imagine inflating yeah. and deflating a balloon it's 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 like yeah. that it's up and down and it's only for a minute minute yeah minute helps. and when you think 60 seconds is not very long no. in, in the scheme of things you'll probably wait 25 30 minutes for your appointment so you could have done plenty of breathing exercises yeah. and be calm and collected by the time you see the doctor so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So, so I think sort of, you know, things are so maintenance plan, recognize sort of your triggers, yeah. have something to stop those to keep things calm, take action, remember your, your loops, um, breathe, breathe, breathe. Um, and just some other things that, that you know, one of the things I'm drinking at the moment, um, I don't know about you, since I've, I've given up drinking, um, I have... I mean, we all have the anxiety dreams, but I have an awful lot of anxiety dreams because I'm processing so much and I wake up quite anxious every morning. And I was taking the pucker nighttime tea, which I know you struggled with a bit because of the valerian in and because of medication. Valerian. Yeah. Disney bad dreams. Yeah. Well, I, I get anxiety. Really, <laughs> yeah. I was really, really anxious of loss. A lot of it is around loss, like people dying. And, mm-hmm. But I've now moved on to this peace, pucker peace tea. And I just don't have any bad dreams with that. So, you know, and that has got ashwagandha in, which is a herb that's really good for anxiety and hemp and mint. Um, so look at your herbal teas and herbal remedies. Um, I completely make sure there is no valerian because um, it is there to help you go to sleep, but so are the other herbs within the drink. So now Mm. I go for either straight chamomile is the only ingredient or passionflower is the only ingredient. There is actually a nighty night tea that does not contain valerian. It's a sleep tea and it doesn't contain valerian. I can't go for the... There are, there's a sleepy time tea with valerian in it. But there is an extra sleepy time tea. And for some reason, they're just too much. They, to me, they don't put me to, to sleep. Um, but we will put, a, um, we will, we will put the, the address to the website for Tiny Buddha. And there is all sorts of 
interesting things in there. Um, Some of the things that you can read here, it says everyone needs a no matter what friend, someone you can call no matter what, someone you can vent to no matter what, someone you don't have to explain yourself to no matter what. And those are good things to have when you struggle in with anxiety or anything like that is to have someone who, who understands you and can sit and just talk with you for even if it's only five minutes to distract you from the anxiety. Um, uh, a good, it doesn't, it doesn't matter who really. I mean, just some, you don't have to tell them you're having an anxiety attack. You could probably just say, oh, I'll just call for a chat. They don't need to know that you're struggling. No. You sit and chat for a bit. So, um, yeah. And the other thing is you might want some people when they're feeling really anxious or panic attack, they will um, want to be on their own. And I always remember it's about learning people's different warning signs and about you communicating that to other people. Don't expect people to know what you want. You need to, as part of your triggers and maintenance plan, tell people what's best jack always knew um i always remember when you know i don't know if i was with somebody i'll be around jack my son and i might be standing in a shop and um i'd put my hands over my mouth and my my nose as i earlier said and if anyone else is with me they go well you're all right and jack would say she's fine just leave her she just needs to be left alone because he knew that's what i needed to do if ever i did that he knew I was concentrating on my breathing and any disturbance of people going, oh, are you right? Or fussing actually made things a lot worse. So, so, you know, sit down, think about your triggers, write yourself a maintenance plan of how to keep yourself well and as anxiety free as possible. A flare up plan of what to do if you get really anxious and um, panicky and communicate it to other people. Do not be afraid because having a panic attack or anxiety attack is really scary it's very frightening but it's also very frightening for other people to see as well and they feel helpless and they don't know what to do so um you know don't be embarrassed um communicate to other people so that they know that they can what to do to help you in the best possible way at that moment that you most need it panic attack can sometimes mimic a heart attack and people can yes. mistake a panic attack for a heart attack so because like you say you get that I get <clears throat> if I get anxious I get mine mine manifests in a tight chest I get you know all of a sudden I get the throat closing my throat mm. starts closing up and I get this tightness uh, just at the top of my chest so that's that's my indicator that you know it's a stressful situation you know I need to calm myself down and pe- like you say people can't know unless you voice it it's like anything People can't know anything about us sometimes. You can't assume that people will realize. So, um, I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? As women, I think we are great at assuming everybody knows and assuming everybody knows. And, um, you know, as, as men, they're expecting us to, you know, they're assuming we'll tell them if we want something, you know, and, and women's, you know, it, it's the men are from Mars, women are from Venus. If a man says, you know, I'm fine. He's he's not fine, but he can deal with it on his own. Thank you very much. If a woman says I'm fine, she's not actually fine, and she expects you to know exactly what she wants. Why she's not fine all of a yeah. sudden? You know, and it's the tone, yeah. isn't it? I'm fine. Yeah. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. 
we expect you to know and how many guys still after all these years say uh if anyone knows how, how a woman works please tell me yeah <laughs> anyway we're gonna get into the station because it's getting rather hot on this train isn't it at the moment it's mm-hmm. summertime it's um it's very very humid it's very very hot um, we hope you listen and enjoy what we've done. Um, we will put the link to Tiny Buddha in the in the blurb for the po- podcast. And keep listening to our podcast. I know we're not experts, but we try and pass on what we are learning in our journey as we go through this, um, get, get further into our sobriety. Karina has just celebrated 10 months. I've just celebrated one year. And I don't know about Karina, but my mind is totally different um, to where I was a year ago in that um, things I said I wouldn't do, I now think, oh, yeah, that works. Mm. Um, I'm open to suggestion a lot of the time, which, um, you know, I'm not closed-minded. I will venture to try anything, even pouring water on Mother Earth. So um, we wish you well. And we will be back next week, maybe, because Karina, bless her, come on, tell us what could be happening very, very soon with you and a, a nice holiday. Yeah. We well, could be um, on location. I, I could be on location. I could still come to you from location. I'm on location in Essex today. So, yes. you know, I was in Norfolk last Essex week. Essex girl. I'm an Essex girl. I'm <laughs> back from the Essex roots. Yeah, I'm back from the Essex roots. But yeah, Andy went in to have his blood tests after his um, five first five weeks of chemo today, and they've actually started his infusion, um, which is going to be monthly, and his tablets he can take at home. So hopefully, if everything's okay, he might not have to go back to hospital for a month. So there could be a bumblebee and triumph triple speed road trip coming up, Ooh. which I'm just a little bit excited about. But I will. We'll know more later tonight a summer road trip around the uk yeah. that sounds yeah. absolutely awesome and it, it, it it's nice with him having to go through these treatments to have this kind of distraction in between the treatments um, yeah i know my husband has to go for his infusion this week it's six hours you know it's just no fun folks <laughs> but yeah. it may not be fun but it keeps them with us and we're grateful for that um, definitely so, yeah well we may get you on location. Let's see how that goes. But we wish Andy well. And we hope these treatments really, really work. And from myself, Polly, and from... Karina. We wish you well and goodbye. Bye-bye.